I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, Xavier's not a member of the team right now. He's just not a member of the team right now. It doesn't matter right now, he's not a member of the team. He's not a member of the team, that's all I'm going to say. They're doing well. You know, there's some new stuff for them to learn. we got some new faces and new bodies. Um, you know, I'm really happy with the guys that are out there practicing right now. And again, we got a couple guys down. Uh, but that, that's a deep group, and Mickey's doing a really good job with them. So uh, I'm, I'm not concerned about that position at all and, and look forward to seeing them continue to improve. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washad, as you heard, Head coach Scott Frost, um, Robin addressed on Thursday that Xavier Betts no longer uh, with the football team. Um, and then you heard him talking about just that receiver room without Xavier Betts as, you know, we're, you know when you're breaking down the numbers, Xavier Betts is a guy that I, I think you look more at his recruiting ranking, his ability, and what the big picture could be. We got a small taste of it at times in his time at Nebraska. Uh, but 32 catches for 417 yards and one touchdown in 18 games. Not exactly Stanley Morgan or J.D. Spielman-like numbers, but I think everybody is smart enough to know that he's a talented player, and it's just unfortunate that we're now at this point, Robin, where Xavier Betts has moved on, didn't come back with the team after spring break, and you know people I've talked to think that he may just be done altogether, so we'll see where it all goes. Yeah, I mean, he obviously showed flashes of – of what he could be with some really impressive big time plays where you're like, wow, this, this kid's got it. But then, uh, you look kind of the, over the course of his career, it almost seemed like availability was not a strong suit where, you know, he was in and out of practice. Uh, you know, he was hurt in and out of games, um, just was not a, a constant in that receiver rotation for one reason or another. And so that I think hindered it. Um, and then obviously, you know, maybe there's other stuff going on with him, uh, off the field that ha- has led to this uh, development. But, you know, the reality of just kind of the, the the backlash this has all gotten is if Xavier Betts is a kid from Norcross, Georgia, this really isn't that big of a deal. But he's from Nebraska. He's from Bellevue West. You know, he's, he's from uh, – he's an in-state kid during a time where Nebraska has missed on a lot of top talent uh, from this state. And this was the one kid that they got, and he was the one guy that looked like he was going to pan out to be a productive player for this program. So it, for it to – I guess we'll see what happens going forward, but for it to temporarily end the way that – uh, it seemingly has. It's really disappointing for a lot of people, just because you know he's one of their own, and a lot of people were rooting for him to succeed. Yeah, and I think people forget um, if not for COVID, he actually would not have qual- qualified to get to Nebraska. Uh, but once the NCAA eliminated uh, the standardized testing requirement, all he needed to do was reach a benchmark on his GPA, and he was able to get that kind of at the final minute to get to get to Nebraska. So. In some ways, in 2020, it was a bonus that they got him here because he was probably going to have to go to Iowa Western or somewhere, um, and it worked out. And then, 
you know, the Penn State game is freshman year. You really got the glimpse of what he could be on that jet sweep play mm-hmm. or the flip pass, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I, they called it a pass, but it was more of a run. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it it just unfortunately never took off. And, you know, they have Omar Manning, Trey Palmer, Alante Brown, Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, Janarin Bonner's coming in. I mean, they have material. And Mickey Joseph's a proven wide receivers coach. Um, and, and, and Mickey, as Alante Brown says, Mickey's first thing he said is, I don't F around. I don't play games. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, Mickey's not a guy that's going to bend over backwards to cater to a guy that's back and forth with his commitment level to the team. And I got the sense that Xavier's commitment level just wasn't there. He didn't love it, didn't really want to do it. And I think the players in the locker room spoke up, too, and said, look, we're done. You know, if he's done, he's done. You know, there's no back and forth. Oh, he's on the team today. Uh, he's off the team tomorrow. Back and forth, back and forth. It's you're on the team or you're off the team. And uh, I think a hard line in the sand was drawn, and that's where it was at on Thursday. Yeah, and I, I do wonder just how much of the impact Mickey Joseph has had has changed the dynamic of that room a little bit because you look at just kind of what's been going on with that receiving core with the last few years, how many players have you know been – on the fence with just how bought in they are with Nebraska, the transfers they've had uh, leaving the program from that position. Um, You know, at least now uh, expectations have been made extremely clear for that entire group. And um, if this is a circumstance where Xavier's a a casualty of that line being drawn, then, then so be it. Uh, Because, you know, long-term that was something that absolutely needed to happen. It needs to, um, you know, carry over into the types of players they recruit going forward. And then also, um, you know, setting the standard for the guys that are in the program now. So uh, again, I think just the the real kind of takeaway from this is that it's just an unfortunate deal where you saw just how talented Xavier could be, but for whatever reason, it just just was not going to work out here. And normally we drop the Husker line show, Robin on Wednesdays, uh, but we wanted to wait, not only for the Xavier Betts thing, we kind of started getting word of that Monday and Tuesday. Uh, also, Thomas Fedoni and uh, Scott Frost gave an update, if you want to call it an update, on Thomas Fedoni. Yes, he's injured, but we don't know how long he's out. Yeah, I'm not going to comment yet um, we, until we know extent and, and details of everything. So when, when time's appropriate, I will. So that was head coach Scott Frost on Thomas Fedoni, um, who's out with apparently another leg injury. And that happened before spring break. So, you know, this has kind of been one of those things where for the last two weeks, just random people on the streets have mm-hmm. pulled me off. What's going on with Thomas Fedoni? You know, like everybody knows everything in Nebraska. Like, yes. it's like you can't keep something like that a secret I, around here. I went, by the way, I went to go grab lunch at the uh, Canopy Market down here. We just run in there and grab lunch. And, you know, we're, we're I'm walking out of practice, and the first thing a guy goes, So, what's the scoop on, on, on bets? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, so it. Everybody knew about Thomas Fedoni. In some ways, you wonder why Scott Frost just didn't give the update, unless there's more to come. Um, but we know he's out. It doesn't look good, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only answer is maybe they're just still waiting for a little bit more information so that they can give a uh, full kind of long-term report on this deal. Maybe he's trying to get a second opinion from someone, um, maybe a little bit further diagnosis of just the extent of the injury and reviewing all the options of, you know, potential surgeries or whatever it may be that will maybe dictate just how long he's out and what the road of his recovery will look like. 
that's probably the only reason why uh, there was no comment today because, like you said, this is the worst kept secret in the state right now. Um, basically, everybody has known Thomas has been hurt for the last two weeks, and uh, to draw it on, you know, any longer um, than Thursday, uh, I think the only explanation is that they're just still trying to find out a couple more answers before they go public with and it. And no Fedoni, no Chris Hickman, who's out with shoulder injury, and then Travis Volkluck, who's been out, and here's Scott Frost on the situation at what was once a very deep Brewington room, too. Uh, in Brewington. Yeah, Brewington's not been a part of things as well. Yeah, we need we need some of those guys to step up, obviously. Um, James and AJ and Borkerture. Um, we'd probably highlight Bork right now. He's, he's doing a really good job, um, and we need some guys to step up at that spot. So uh, those guys are certainly getting reps with Travis out for the spring, and, and they need them, and they're taking advantage of them. So tight end, definitely a mass unit group um, for Nebraska as they work their way through the spring. Uh, we'll see where this all goes. Uh, moving forward, Nebraska will scrimmage Saturday inside Memorial Stadium, weather permitting. The coaches' clinic will be going on as well this weekend. Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, the brother of Mickey Joseph here in town, and then uh, Mike White, the old Atlanta Falcons head coach, right? Yes, Mike. Uh, Did I say Mike White? No, I don't think it's Mike White. It's uh, uh, Mike Smith. Mike, Mike Smith. Smith from the Falcons, former Falcons head coach. I had the wrong generic last name. Yeah. <laughs> Jones, Jones, Smith, Johnson, Um, but Mike, um, Mike Smith, Mike Smith, no related, no relation to former Husker Mike Smith, by the way, um, will be in Lincoln for the coaches clinic and they will scrimmage in the stadium Saturday. So it's also, like I mentioned, the coaches clinic. So expect a lot of information to be leaked out of practice as about 250 to 300 high school coaches will be watching practice and some have to be members of Husker yeah, Online. I'm sure, quite sure more than a handful of them have a Husker Online account. So if you're a coach going to the clinic, please post your practice report yes. on the Red Sea Scrolls. Yes, updates are appreciated. And we get some great ones. A lot, a lot of people that uh, go will go on there and give what they see and take at practice. So make sure you're on Husker Online. But when we come back, Pro Day was this week as well. Um, Robin and I are going to give our thoughts on what we learned at Pro Day. JoJo Dolman will join me as well after Pro Day. Uh, then... Sam Greasel, the latest commit to Nebraska basketball, is going to join us on the show. And then Robin is going to give us the latest on the staff and where things sit with Husker basketball as um, Eduardo Andre now went in the transfer portal as well. So uh, we'll hit on a lot of different topics here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics yeah obviously uh it's just the next step in the process um you know for everyone so um that was the most important thing was today and now we're just looking forward to uh, the next step oh it's very important um i told myself when i get the uh, invite like that's like one of one dream one part of my dream that they took away from me you know, I always wanted to be on TV running combine, and I didn't get the opportunity. But I came here just to show them that, like, 
I'm still one of the top safeties in the country. So for six-year guys, I mean, was it challenging for a lot of six-year guys to? Get- Welcome back here to the Oscar Online Show. Sean Callahan, you heard me there. Uh, the back end of the question as well, but um, you heard Ben Stilley and Deontay Williams at Nebraska's Pro Day. Uh, before Robin Washington and I get into Pro Day, this segment of the show is brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland. There is still time to get your trip planned out to Ireland as Nebraska takes on Northwestern, Robin. August 27th, um, it is the first game of the college football season um, at at uh, Viva Stadium. You can go on to Huskers2Ireland.com. There's still some packages left available that you can get in on, and they have some airfare options, I believe, last time I checked, that you can um, kind of plan around your trip as well. And with rising fuel costs, you want to get on those things now and, and, and get this trip squared away. We were just looking at our flight, Robin, um, from um, – Chicago to Omaha and, or Chicago to uh, or, uh, Dublin, Dublin. And it's pretty full. I mean, there's like six empty seats on a huge plane. So uh, that tells me there's a lot of, there's a lot of Nebraska fans um, heading out that way. Yeah, and that connecting Lincoln to Chicago flight is also pretty booked up too. So it uh, seems like there's a pattern there. So, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm guessing we're going to have a few Bloody Marys yeah, and no, more. No guessing about it. So looking forward to that. But let's talk Pro Day, um, and we're going to hear – not only from Sam Griesel, the latest Nebraska basketball recruit in a couple of segments, JoJo Dolman is going to join us here as well as he talks about his pro day performance. Um, but, you know, looking at the numbers, Robin, JoJo, the final sheet I got um, was 459 in the 40, 10 1 broad, 36 and a half inch vertical, 15 reps on the bench. A lot of the guys, when I talked to about the bench, they benched less reps than they thought. And I think they all trained with rubber weights. And then at Nebraska, it was colder mm-hmm. than Arizona and Florida and these places. Mm-hmm. And they use metal weights, steel weights. And evidently, that's a difference, um, you know, going back to that. So uh, I think everybody did about one or two less reps than they would have liked. Yeah. I th- everybody I talked to, the ones that did bench, you know, they all were a little underwhelmed with their numbers on that. That that would explain it. Um, I guess I don't understand why would you work out with something that's different than what you'd actually be testing with. Uh, kind of goes against the whole like preparation for that event in my mind, but you know those those trainers make a it lot is more weird money though. Do. Like when you think about it, rubber does feel lighter when you lift rubber oh, weights, yeah. like a, a like a rubber dumbbell versus like a steel dumbbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess technically it's the same weight, but there's different. It's different moving steel than it is. It's moving a different feel. Bumper plates. So yeah, you saw everybody in. Everybody wanted to freak out about Austin Allen only doing eight reps, but mm-hmm. the dude is six eight. Yeah, it's a long way to push two hundred twenty five pounds, and you know he he knew that that was the knock on him. I, I got to talk to Austin afterwards, and you know he said that that was the one thing that you know he really had to do during Nebraska's pro day. He didn't do any of the other testing events because he did them all at the combine, um, and so basically all he did was run routes. And so he wanted to make sure he just got a number on paper. Uh, basically, he said that he wanted to show NFL scouts that there were no red flags, like he's not hurt, like he can still bench. Uh, it's just a matter of you know he knows. He's still got to bulk up to really take his stock to the next level. And then you're know, looking at guys. Cameron Jurgens did a vertical, 33 and a half inches, four four nine in the shuttle. What a freak! Nine foot eleven in the broad. Uh, the best broad in the combine for offensive line was ten one. Um, and you know his vertical would rank right at the top too. I think thirty six or thirty six and a half was top there. Uh, but it wasn't just that with Cam Jurgens. It was the way he moved, like that four four nine pro agility. 
just compare. Okay, Damian Daniels is bigger, um, but they actually weighed the same at pro day. There and Damian Daniels only did a four nine four bra or a four nine four shuttle. Jurgens was four four nine at the same weight. And it's like what three hundred some pounds of just muscle moving that fast too. I mean, he's he looks uh, as good as we've seen him. He looks like a legitimate top prospect offensive lineman now. Uh, and just seeing him move the way that he did, uh, that's going to catch some attention. When you get a guy like that, you know, you know, especially with the way that pros like to move their guards and interior offensive linemen with pulling to have an athlete like that be able to get in space and put that body on defensive backs that's a really appealing thing that i think is definitely going to earn him some points come draft time samari torre also had i thought a good day 444 in the 40 shuttle 10-4 broad i'm sure it's vertical at 34 and a half he would have liked to have been closer to that 36 mark um I did a lot of combines. I mean, thousands of kids um, when we traveled the country years ago. And that 36 market to me is always kind of like the separator. Like mm-hmm. that's when you kind of hit that elite number. Um, and, you know, 34 and a half is good, but I'm sure he would have liked to be higher. But yeah, he weighed 191. Um, he was nearly six foot one tall. Um, so decent numbers. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Cam Jurgens was 304 and Damian Daniels was 302. Yeah, he said he said that was the lowest he's weighed since he was a sophomore in high school. So uh, maybe it's time to retire the snacks nickname because he was uh, he was as lean as and mean as we've seen him. He didn't bench press though. And he said he had a, a chest contusion, which is why he did not bench. He hurt himself working out. So you know, I'm sure that that was something that the the scouts wanted to see, especially for a D lineman. But he did everything else, as far as I know. Yeah, his uh, vertical was 29, which is very impressive for that weight. Yeah. I mean, put it in perspective, Markel Desmuke, a starting safety, was 29 and a half on the vert. And yeah. Damian Daniels was 29. So he did show some explosion. And you're not recruiting or signing or drafting Damian Daniels because it was 40 time. Right. You're drafting this guy for 25 quality snaps a game if, if he got to that level. I thought it was interesting, too, is that he's not just being looked at as a – interior lineman they're looking at him as a, a three technique but possibly and potentially having uh you know his pass rushing skills emphasized a little bit more so there's a lot of different i think ways that he could fit somewhere at the next level so you know he's the one guy when you look at the decisions that were made as far as entering the draft he's probably the, the biggest question as to why he decided to go ahead and make the move but you know uh we'll, we'll see if it, if it pays off for him he bet on himself and um, you know, he's putting up some decent numbers and has got himself in, in as good of a shape as he's been in a long time. And then, you know, looking at a guy, Robin, I thought that had a quiet, a real sneaky good pro day was Deontay Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 reps, 33 vertical. He probably would have liked to have been a little higher there. But 448 in the 40, 401 in the shuttle. He does hold the school record in that mark. Mm. He's a 3-9 guy normally, uh, but because he's about 10 pounds heavier, he ran just a tick slower. He went 10-3 in the broad, though. Um, I think for Deontay, if, if you're, I mean, I'm, we've been around a lot of pro days, and, and you know how the process works. If, if he can get himself a signed, undrafted free agent deal, to me that's probably realistic. I don't see him getting drafted. Yeah, I don't either. But hopefully he did enough to get himself into a, a, a camp. Well, and you, you pair just his athleticism, uh, the size, the speed, strength, all that. Well, I mean, he was one of Nebraska's top playmakers back there, um, you know, with the, the, his 
knack for the ball. Uh, he's obviously known as a big hitter. So, I mean, there, there's a lot to, to like there. Um, you know, and I think having this, this showcase to be able to, you know, really put his athleticism on paper uh, will at least get him some looks when it does come to that next round uh, with the undrafted free agents. All right. When we come back, um, we're going to be joined by Jojo Dolman as uh, he'll join us here on the program next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, but I had to bring that out for old times' sakes uh, because we're pleased to bring in the program a great friend of ours um, and a guy that I had the pleasure of uh, taping many shows with this year, uh, Husker linebacker, former Husker linebacker, JoJo Doman, fresh off his pro day. I had to bring in the old music for you, JoJo. I appreciate it, man. It's good to be back behind the mic with you, Sean. Well, hey, uh, Joe, um, it was great to see you at Pro Day this week. Uh, I'm sure in a lot of respects you had the Senior Bowl. First of all, you had your surgery, you had the Senior Bowl, then you had the Combine, then you had your Pro Day. Um, It's probably been a whirlwind for you since that surgery to get yourself to the point you were at at Pro Day. Uh, Give me an idea kind of what you liked about the process and and what's next for JoJo Doman. Yeah, it's definitely been a grind. Uh, this process has been amazing, though. Just pushing myself in uh, every way to uh, create good habits and to be better than I was yesterday. And just every single day is an opportunity to get better. And I'm basically, I'm just trying to up-level myself so I can be um, in a better place when I get on a team uh, in April. So. Uh, everything that I'm doing is kind of leading up to that. So um, this process has been uh, has been a blessing and has been a lot of a lot of fun. Met a lot of good people, and uh, I'm really just I am excited for this next step, though. Now, with pro day done, I mean, do you start hearing more from teams, or has that already happened when you played in the Senior Bowl and went to the Combine? Yeah, the teams will start reaching out for. Uh, for some visits and some Zoom calls. So I'm uh, waiting on those and just right, just waiting on those phone calls. I'm kind of at their, at their leisure right now. They tell me, you know, they tell me when and where to be, and I got to be there. We're talking here with former Husker linebacker JoJo Doman. You know, Joe, looking at the pro day numbers and results, um, you know, of the four Husker guys that went to the Combine, you were the only one that did everything um, in terms of the, the testing drills. Kind of what was your mindset there? Why did you want to go through? And we had you at 15 reps, 36-and-a-half-inch vertical. Uh, they had a 4.59 on the 40 sheet now for you, 4.32 shuttle, 10-1 broad, 6.88 seconds in the three cone. Um, what was your mindset wanting to do everything at the pro day? One, just showing my, my willingness to compete and that when it's on – you know, 
it's on. So that was kind of the mindset there. And also with the opportunity to improve on all my numbers, uh, kind of being in my own rhythm, in my, in my own groove, so to speak, just being in Lincoln and training for the past week and not having to do uh, everything that the combine had us doing. I felt like it could give me an advantage to test better. So, uh, and the numbers speak for themselves and I'm really happy with my performance. And it was, it was just fun because I really just got into that flow state of just competing and whatever they, whatever they throw at me, I'm going to do the, the hardest I can do it. So that was just, it kind of just took me and the numbers speak for themselves. A lot of your teammates had, had good numbers, but one just jumped out to me. Jojo was Cameron Jurgens. Holy smokes, 9-11 broad and a 33-and-a-half-inch vertical, a 4-4-9 in the shuttle for a guy weighing over 300 wow. pounds. What did you think of what Cam did out there? No, Cam's a freak, and Cam could play in the league for 10-plus years. That dude is a physical specimen that is also a really good football player. So uh, I'm really excited to see how his career pans out, and I'm rooting for him, and whatever team gets him, they're getting a steal. And this was your first time, JoJo, back at Nebraska um, since your career ended. Um, just what did it feel like to kind of walk back in the weight room? And I'm sure you popped in the locker room, maybe the coaches level, um, just seeing everybody. And, and, you know, a lot of changes have happened since you got done playing at Nebraska with coaches and personnel department people. Um, just what was your view of some of the changes and things that you were able to see uh, being in Lincoln? Yeah, it was kind of surreal uh, coming back into Lincoln and I even I drove past my best friend's uh, future wife's apartment where he met her at and I just I remember like that feeling of like man that's where my best friend met his future wife and it's in Lincoln Nebraska so all those emotions are uh, pretty crazy but then when it came to getting back into Memorial Stadium then I just felt like at home like there was no nostalgia really there it, it felt very grounding to be back in um memorial stadium and i even trained in the hawks the three four days leading up to the pro day so i already felt comfortable in that space and uh like the whole four days leading up to the pro day was just you know in the environment we're going to be competing in and, and visualizing like pro day every single day in training being today so like i said it was, it's been amazing being back and uh it's really a special place. We're talking here with former Nebraska linebacker JoJo Doman as he wrapped up Pro Day this week. Um, something else that JoJo's doing that's really cool, uh, you can go on his YouTube channel, and they've launched some in-depth, behind-the-scenes shows of the draft process. I believe it's called Path to the Draft, um, as JoJo and his team of uh, people have kind of put that together. Uh, JoJo, give us an idea of kind of what you got going on with the YouTube channel and, and why that's something Nebraska fans uh, should get behind and follow. Yes. So it's basically just me sharing a little bit more of my story and my experiences um, on the social network and doing it through a YouTube channel where my best friend from high school is actually producing it. And it's really just like, an opportunity for me to share my story, share my perspectives, and bring people into my world, uh, which is exciting, and uh, continue to peel back the onion on what really goes on behind uh, somebody training for the NFL draft. So it's uh, it's been really fun for me, really allowed me to uh, share my personality, and uh, yes, I've, 
I release all the, the trailers on my Instagram and Twitter, but the main content is on YouTube. So I definitely check that out. Jojo, something I get asked a lot is, all right, who's going to do the next podcast that you did with Jojo Doman? And I, I tell people, I, I don't know if there is another Jojo Doman show. And, um, and I think that's what was unique. NIL in just a few months has changed so much. Uh, but we jumped on it right away with this show, and, and, and you had great sponsorships behind you. Um, but what we got to do over the last year, nobody was doing it in the country, and it was so much fun to get to do that. And I'm not even sure we anybody we could duplicate that again with another guy and, and put together the shows like we did every single week. We weren't taping shows. We weren't taping 10 shows in August and running them each week. We were doing a show every Sunday or Monday, <laughs> rain or shine. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, that was an unbelievable experience. Um, and to do it with you and your your expertise and savviness in the industry, like it helped bring me along and open up my voice and and just like how to talk on the air and felt like I might have been like the biggest thing I got out of school, right? It almost felt like a an internship, uh, what we did up in the studio. So that really really was special and I'm I'm sure you could find somebody that would do great on the air. Like some names that come to mind are like, I, I was even thinking like if the DBs did a podcast, right? Like just all those personalities in one room, that'd be fun. But yeah, absolutely. Hard to replicate uh, what we did, Sean. And I, I'm appre- I'm appreciative for those, the times we had. No, it was a lot of fun. And I'm guessing you're going to continue doing podcasts at some point. I mean, I don't know when you probably got to get figured out where you're going to play and what's going on. Um, but whether it's off seasons or whatever, I'm guessing you're going to want to find a microphone eventually and, and start talking, right? <laughs> I might have to. I just might. Well, JoJo, uh, you always got a spot on the Husker Online show. We love we love getting a chance to catch up with you. Congrats on a great pro day, and uh, we're now looking forward to the draft. Yes, thank you, Sean. Go uh, Big Red. All right, much more to come. You're listening to the Husker Online show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and as uh, we've hit on the site this past week, the Huskers added a uh, big-time transfer edition, a local hometown edition uh, from North Dakota State, and, and we're actually pleased to be joined now on the program uh, by former Lincoln East and uh, North Dakota State product, Sam Greasel. Sam, uh, first of all, congratulations, uh, I'm sure, just for you, your family, um, just to get this opportunity to come back to Nebraska. Everyone's got to be on cloud nine right now. Yeah, it's, uh, thank you very much for those, for those kind words. But, yeah, I mean, it's been a, a crazy few weeks here. Um, overwhelming at times, but just trying to remember that, you know, it's a blessing and, and blessed to be in this position. Now, I know that uh, you've said this is something that uh, you've been thinking about, dreaming about for a long time growing up in Lincoln, watching a lot of Nebraska basketball uh, over the course of your life. Uh, but I, I was interested, you, you made the comment you know, after your commitment that you know, a couple of weeks ago you didn't ever think this was possible. Maybe just kind of run us through 
how this all came about. When did coming to Nebraska uh, become a, a reality for you? And I guess just, just walk us through the process of um, the initial conversations with Coach Hoiberg to uh, making your commitment. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't know, three weeks ago, I, I really wasn't thinking about taking my fifth year of, of college eligibility. Um, you know, just coming home and, and after the Summer League Championship game and, and all that happened, um, I was able to sit down with my family um, and really talk to, talk about, you know, what was best for, for my future uh, moving forward. And we decided that entering the transfer portal was that. And then um, talked with Coach Hoiberg right away. He was one of the first um, coaches to contact me and had a good conversation. And he let me know, you know, where he, he saw me playing and the role that I would have um, at Nebraska or, or what he envisions and um, you know, just being able to to build that relationship with him and then meet, you know, um, other staff members and then obviously some of the teammates I'll be playing with as well um, and just building those relationships. And then once I got comfortable and felt comfortable with moving forward with my commitment decision, you know, it was a, it was a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I guess uh, what were some of those conversations with Coach Hoiberg like about – uh, your role, how he sees you fitting into what they do here. I know at uh, NDSU, you're primarily a point guard for the past couple seasons. Um, do you anticipate playing mostly the one um, as a Husker? Or what, what's what's next season look like for you in terms of uh, your role in this team? Yeah, I, I definitely just talking with him and um, where he kind of sees me in the offense and, and with Nebraska basketball, definitely a lot of playing the point um, and being a leader out there. Um, and, you know, one of the big things for me is is I'm a big culture guy, and I want to – obviously the narrative around Nebraska basketball hasn't been the greatest in the past few years or whatever, and I want to I wanna be a part of the change and um, kind of change the culture and, and make an impact here in the only year that I have here. Um so, I mean, obviously there's a lot that goes into it both on and off the court. So, you know, obviously you, leadership's a big thing for you. Um, you have the, the experience factor to back it up. But what kind of is your process of, of doing that now? The fact that, you know, you have one season to kind of make your mark here. Um, you know, what's what's kind of your approach to establishing yourself as a leader on this team that, um, you know, they're going to lose some pieces, but they're also going to bring some guys back that, um, you know, went through it this year. How, how do you kind of integrate yourself with that and, and establish, establish yourself as a, as a leader on and off the floor? Yeah, I mean, I think one big thing for me that I've, I've always kind of had is, is leading by example. Um, and that's something that kind of comes naturally for me. So I don't necessarily think that that will be any sort of an issue or struggle for me. Um, I think one thing that I, I will need to you know, it's really important for me as far as leadership is being that vocal leader for them and, and especially being a new guy um, and stuff like that and not knowing everyone. But I'm, that's a challenge that I'm really, really excited for. Um, and I think, you know, me personally, I can really grow a lot this year in, in that aspect. And, and like I said, just challenging myself. And um, I'm just really looking forward to the opportunity. Now, I know a lot of people uh, are familiar with your your play on the court but um you know there's a there's a story that kind of is intertwined with your career that uh was a pretty scary deal for you um i think it was last november 
um, you know, prior to the start of the season, uh, you went through a pretty serious health scare. Um, you know, there's a story out there about it. Um, you know, I think the Lincoln Journal Star wrote it um, back in uh, the fall. But can you maybe just kind of explain what 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 all you went through and just just how scary of a deal that was with um, you know your health situation just a few months ago? Yeah, um, at the beginning of the season, um, it was actually right before our first Division One game. We were out playing Cal Poly, um, so we were in San Luis Obispo, California, and it was the night before the first game. Um, something felt a little weird. I, I couldn't really pinpoint it in the, in the exhibition game before. Um, I just felt a little more tired than usual. Um, you know, I'm a guy that's played, you know, a lot of minutes of, of college basketball and, um, never really felt that fatigued, I guess. So it was, it was something that was a little weird for me, but got some exams done the next day and everything looked fine. And so went out to California and, and practice and kind of felt the same, but that night I, I tried to, go to sleep, couldn't fall asleep. So I got up and, and that's kind of where things get hazy. Um, I know I ended up on the ground in front of the bathroom because I felt nauseous and um, felt like I was going to throw up or whatever, but I ended up on the ground in front of the bathroom. And I remember putting my head on the floor because I was so hot that I just wanted to cool off. And then, um, I was kind of laying there, couldn't really move and, um, started throwing up a bunch of blood. Um, and that's where I kind of was in and out of consciousness. Um, but luckily, you know, I had a roommate, um, Willie Guy, um, that kind of sprung into action and, and got a hold of our trainer. And then EMTs came, and there was a, a bunch of people in the room. And I got eventually to the hospital, found out that I had a stomach ulcer. Mm. Um, when it was all said and done, I lost more than half my blood in the whole in the whole thing. And a lot of the doctors were we're unsure how I wasn't in a coma or um, oh, obviously even, even worse with death being involved. But um, I remember just kind of sitting there and like thinking like, I didn't know if I was going to see tomorrow. So I don't know. It's honestly a situation and um, something that I'm, I'm grateful for because it's just changed my perspective on life and in basketball and that, you know, as college athletes, we get to do this. Um, you know, we get to do this and that's what a lot of, um, I think college athletes especially can get stuck in is, is that they have to do all these things and um, just that it's a privilege for us to go out there and compete every single day. And um, so that's also something that I brought into the leadership aspect is just having that perspective and being, being able to talk about that with teammates and, and just um, try to, I mean, change their perspective on things as well. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh quite the story of the, the, the comeback. I mean, just considering where things were for you that night to, to be in this position now, uh, you know, you want to talk about a blessing, that's it. But, um, you know, Sam, I guess I'll, we'll leave you here with one more for you. Um, I guess what, what can Husker fans expect from you, um, on the floor? What type of player did Nebraska get when Sam Griesel committed? Um, I think first and foremost, you know, each and every moment that I'm on the floor, um, I'm going to play my heart out and, um, I don't, I don't care who gets the credit as long as, as we're competing hard and, and playing hard, having fun, um, as one collective group and, um, doing our best to win basketball games. One thing that I've really talked about is I want to, you know, I grew up in this community for 18 years and I want to, I want to be a part of a product out there that fans can be proud of. Um, and just being a part of this community for so long, I know, I know what that looks like when we're, when we're having fun, playing hard, playing for each other. Um, 
yeah, and I, I'm I mean I'm a, I'm a really unselfish basketball player, and like I said, I don't I don't care who gets the credit or or what happens as long as we're um, you know competing for for wins and, and getting wins. New Nebraska basketball transfer Sam Griesel joining us here on the Husker Online Show. Sam, uh, congratulations once again on uh, joining the Husker basketball team. I know a lot of people around the state and the community are excited to watch a Lincoln native play for the Huskers. So uh, it's going to be great to see you on the court here uh, next season. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Robin, it was great to hear from Sam Griesel, the newest edition of the Nebraska basketball team. And let me tell you, I mean, I'm a season ticket holder myself. I've been watching Nebraska basketball my entire life. Correct me if I'm wrong, the last Lincoln native to really do anything significant was 20 years ago. That was Jake Muleisen, our yep. good buddy and color analyst for the program. So pretty significant. Uh, Charlie Easley, I mean, he, he at least yeah, played minutes. But he but wasn't recruited as a scholarship, scholarship guy. He guy. earned a scholarship. But this is the first, uh, I guess, scholarship offer since for Mule. a Lincoln kid since, well, I guess that Donovan Williams was technically committed, but he never signed. So... Yeah. And I, I think people are going to see just, you know, I always wondered if like Mike Gazelle would have came here. I mean, just a local guy like that. People want to see a local guy play for Nebraska. I mean, I, I get it. To be fair, he's about as local to Iowa as he was to Nebraska. But they're Husker. They, <laughs> right were, on the they, they were Husker fans. Yeah, I know. I get it. There, there's been a lot of uh, discussion about that recruitment and why it went south for Nebraska. But, um, you know, in the end, it just didn't work out. This is a no-brainer, though, right? I mean, Absolutely. Once, once he became available. Basically, all Fred had to do was make a phone call, and Sam was on board. Go to lunch at Firethorn, and, and it was done. And now Nebraska's got a six foot six, 220-pound point guard that uh, not only averaged 14 and 7 a game, and oh, by the way, had 9 points and 12 rebounds against Nebraska back in 2020. Uh, but you also get a guy that is all about your program. He kind of mentored he, he wants to bring culture Nebraska needs culture guys. They need guys that want to be at Nebraska and want to help Nebraska and not just worry about how Nebraska is going to help them. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Robin, a lot of other things, though, have happened. Eduardo Andre has gone in the portal. Mm-hmm. Matt Abdelmase was relieved of his duties. Doc Sadler's job was eliminated. Armand Gates' brother has gone to Missouri, but uh, from, from our colleagues at TigerMizzou.com or PowerMizzou.com, doesn't sound like Armand, at least at this point, is a candidate to join that staff, but you just never know. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of moving parts, uh, not only with this roster, but this coaching staff. Yeah, and we'll start with the biggest one of all. Obviously, that's Matt Abdomasi. Um, just because of the way Nebraska's staff had been structured, uh, very rarely, especially at the high major level, are you going to see an assistant coach have as much influence in a program's recruiting and roster management than Matt had at Nebraska. And that was all by design. I mean, that's why Fred 
brought him here. It's why I paid him $380,000 a year as the highest paid assistant on the staff. Um, and it's why Fred has never coached a day or, uh, yeah, before that had never coached a day at the college level without Matt being a part of his staff. So, um, you know, there, there's a big shakeup that happens with, with Matt's departure. And it starts with, I mean, obviously recruiting, but, um, you know, you got to wonder kind of what this means as far as how Nebraska approaches building its roster going forward. And, um, you know, I, I think just from a staff perspective, you would assume that they're going to go back to a more traditional, um, you know, full staff effort on the recruiting front where all three assistants are not only on the road recruiting, but, but have influence and say in, you know, who the primary targets are and who they go after. Uh, but beyond that, I think Fred needs to take a bigger uh, role in that as well to where he's not just the finisher that, um, you know, closes on guys that, you know, Matt sets up, but he's a guy that is more involved in the selection of who, who the top targets are. And, you know, he's got to identify who his guys are, not just as players and, you know, their, their star rankings and recruiting profile, but how are they going to fit what he wants them to do and have more of a part in the evaluation on that end of it. So uh, this is a, a big deal and it's going to change everything Nebraska does with how they handle recruiting and with their roster. Uh, and like I said, Matt had a big part in the recruiting. They're still going to need dynamic recruiters, but I think this is going to be a total staff process now going forward compared to what it was. Now the Doc Sadler position, they eliminated it. So does that mean they're just not going to have that? Yeah. I mean, they didn't even have it before until Bobby Lutz was here and Bobby basically took over as kind of a, uh, and there's no payout. That's not a contract coach job, no, right? I mean, no, so like it was, it was just kind of part of the the allocated funds that they had. They used it for uh, essentially a an additional staff. Now, because of the rules, um, you could have an extra assistant with on court instruction. So Doc did do some on court coaching, didn't recruit. right? But he was not allowed to do any sort of recruiting or anything like that. So um, it, with Matt's role. He didn't do much coaching. And so technically, like they kind of swapped. They kind of split roles a little bit to where Doc kind of took over some of the workload uh, as far as the like day to day practice stuff um, and game planning and that sort of thing, where Matt handled pretty much all the recruiting. What does a guy like Abdel Masse do now? I know you obviously became very close to him over the years and uh, got to know him very well. He's been so tied to Fred Hoiberg really since the start of his career. He had the short stint at St. John's. I mean, what's the next logical move for a guy like that? Well, I mean, I'm sure just with his recruiting background, there's going to be schools that might inquire, but I don't know. You know, I think that maybe a more realistic deal is he takes some time off. Obviously, he's no rush to go take a job. Uh, he could very easily be a sports agent somewhere to where he's actually the guy uh, representing. NIL. Uh, yeah, that, that sort of thing. And, you know, with the – the way that the recruiting landscape has changed with NIL stuff like that, you know, it's, it's a different ball game than it was at Iowa state. So, you know, a guy like that, you know, maybe he transitions into a different role to where he's just kind of fully invested into the, um, you know, the, the professional side of it, um, which might be more comfortable for him anyway. Well, and in the least, in other news, in the least surprising news of all the news, um, Bryce McGowan's declared for the NBA draft. Uh, we knew that was coming. Eduardo Andre going the portal. I don't think everybody knew that was coming. I'm sure you had a feel it was coming. Yeah, it was. It was a potential scenario there, um, just because. I mean, with I guess we'll see what happens with Blaze Cadis. So there's a, there's a big conversation that happens with you know obviously with Matt leaving, uh, with the three incoming recruits they have, given his impact in recruiting. 
the relationships with him were very strong, and uh, that's especially the case with Blaze Cada, um, the junior college center, uh, four-star from down in Coffeyville. Um, you know, the only reason Blaze is at Nebraska is because of Matt Abdelmasi. So with that, him now out of the equation, what is that going to do uh, for his, you know, future standing with Nebraska? Remains to be seen. Um, you know, I've I've reached out to Blaze a few times, and he just kind of said he's thinking about it, evaluating his his options, and um, haven't really heard an update on that since. Um, Romel Lloyd is another guy uh, from Sierra Canyon who. Um, a big reason why he's here is because of his connections with Matt Abdelmasi and his family's relationship. So um, he was in the same boat where, you know, I talked to his dad and he said, we're just processing everything. And um, he's probably the guy that I'm the most leery about potentially backing out of his NIL um, or NLI. Uh, <laughs> NIL. Yeah. Yeah. One of the two. LOL. LOI. <laughs> yeah. Letter of intent. Yeah. Literally a national letter of intent, whatever. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, there's obviously if any of those guys want to request um, a release from their letters of intent, Nebraska basically has to do it um, just because the backlash of keeping a guy uh, that wants out uh, on your team, it does your, I mean, it's going to create problems in your locker room and it's going to give you a bad look on the recruiting front. That being said, uh, we'll see what happens there. But then with Ed, you know, there's a crowded front court with potentially Blaze, with potentially Derek Walker coming back, with the development of Oleg Koyanets. Um, there just wasn't that many minutes, I don't think, to go around. And, you know, Ed's probably in a situation where, you know, maybe there's greener pastures somewhere else. Uh, Bryce leaving was no surprise. Um, I mean, that was a given. And I do know that, you know, technically he's got a chance, an option to come back. You know, he can go through the process. Because he signed with Rock Nation, uh, the this agency, they're an NCAA certified agency, and so he can go through the process and come back and still maintain his eligibility. But that's not going to happen. It's kind of a moot point even talking about that. He's going to be a first round pick, and he's going to be off to the NBA. Well, lots of roster news quickly, Robin. Um, when you look at some of the other guys like Lat Mayan, Derek Walker, uh, Bri- or Trey McGowns. Right. So Derek Walker is probably the most likely of those. Um, you know, I, there's just been heard enough that he's considering it probably as strongly as any of those guys. Trey has been back and forth for a long time. I could see him maybe kind of letting this thing go on for a few more weeks, just kind of seeing what his options are before making a final decision on that. Lat, basically the only way he would come back is if he takes a significantly reduced role. You know, I'm talking like 10 15 tops minutes a game uh, and just being kind of a back end of the rotation guy. Does he want to do that at his age? We'll see. Uh, I'm not holding my breath on that. So really of those three, Derek is the most likely Trey is a, a maybe and lad is an unlikely uh, beyond that. You know, there's always going to be the natural attrition with guys like Eduardo who um, are all kind of on the fence um, it's the portal world. So more often than not, they're going to lean towards trying to find somewhere else where they're guaranteed a better opportunity. Uh, as the guy that started earlier out. in the year, Keon Edwards, he, I, he's in that conversation. I mean, why would he come back? Yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, just from my 10,000 foot view, it doesn't seem like he's a guy that has a role here. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's guys in that conversation. So he's in there. Um, you know, Casey Tominaga. How can you transfer twice though, too? There's some, you know, it's pretty, you gotta yeah. have a waiver. Yeah. I mean, you just got to go through more loops to do it. It's, you can basically say my uncle needs me closer. Right. To- right. And you know, they're going to give him out more often than not t- in, today, but Tominaga's in that, uh, conversation as well. Uh, and you know, we'll see kind of what else beyond that. But in the end, I think Nebraska probably has two, maybe three scholarship spots to fill in the spring signing period. And 
like always, that'll probably be filled primarily with transfers. All right, plenty to follow with Husker basketball. Make sure you log on to huskeronline.com as well as everything related to spring football, baseball. We'll keep you up to date. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.